Welcome back to another Youth-Centered Podcast. This is the first one of our school year, 2019-2020. Kids went back to school this week. Uh, we opened up the Youth Center on Thursday. Very exciting times here at the Youth Center, and we're starting off our school year with our weekly podcast. And this week, we have a very special friend of the Youth Center. We have Will Harmony. Will has, uh, we're going to talk a smorgasbord of things. We're going to call this the Saturday Morning Buffet with Will uh, we're going to talk a little bit about him, uh, his move to uh, North Andover, things that he got involved here at the Youth Center as well as North Andover High School, um, and here how his career has um, moved on. He's a student now in college, and his uh, amazing interest in analytics and analytic science. So we're going to talk a lot about that. So, Will, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's an honor. I've been an avid listener, so it's great to be on. And Will is another one of those people that kind of gave me a little nudge that I hadn't asked him to be on the podcast yet. So we do love when people say, hey, can I be on the podcast? And as I said to Will, well, what do we want to talk about? And Will sent me some topics on that. So so again, Will, thanks for coming. I'm going to have start off. Um, a lot of people probably don't know you. Um, you're, you're actually entering your third year of college now. So uh, but you left a mark on the, both the youth center and the high school. So can you tell a little bit about, you know, break it all down. You've had a, a life where you've moved a few times. And let us, let's start there and uh, bring us up to date. Yeah, so I was born in Connecticut in 1999, so I'm 20 years old now. But I moved to Virginia before fifth grade when I was nine years old. And that was a tough move for me. We'll get into that a bit later, I think. And then I moved to here, North Andover, before 10th grade when I was 14 years old. So I have the experience of doing that twice, and I'd like to think it's made me a, a better person. But right now I'm at Endicott, as you said. I'm studying applied math and actuarial science, and a lot of what set me up for that success is embracing the culture here in North Andover, and it's really allowed me to succeed more as a person, become more confident with myself, know what my strengths are, and go right after them. Absolutely, and, and we've loved getting to know you. So let me start with, um, you know I'm pretty big on um, you know culture and, and understanding, and you actually had two major moves during two periods of time that I think are very tough in adolescence. Once uh, you moved from Connecticut to Virginia in the fifth grade, uh, which is obviously early middle school, late elementary school time. And then you actually made the huge move of moving into a community of North Andover as a 10th grader where you're predominantly with people that have grown up together their whole life and been to school the whole together. So let's talk a little bit about what were the challenges for you at both times as a middle school student and as a high school student? I think the middle school move was much tougher because it was my first one and because I was only nine years old. I didn't have a whole lot of awareness about why we were, we were moving, but I knew it had something to do with my dad's job. And in 2009, that was kind of a rough period for the economy. So I knew that he had some concerns about losing his job and he had a job offer down in Virginia. So it was kind of a necessary move for us as a family. I didn't have too much of awareness of it back then, but it was tough for me because I had all my friends in, in Connecticut, and I had to say goodbye to them after fourth grade, and I didn't obviously know anyone going to Virginia, and I was a little bit scared. Uh, my first year in Virginia was in elementary school. That was similar to Connecticut and that it was still kind of teachers holding your hand, 
not too much independence, but the real tough was going into sixth grade. The second year I was in Virginia, I still hadn't made too many friends, and middle school was a rude awakening for me just because it was so much independence. I, I basically sat alone at lunch every day and sat in my room at home during after I got home from school. So it was a tough f- three, four years. It really went by slowly for me. And I think this move to North Andover was easier because, again, I had experience of doing it the first time. But also this community was more welcoming to me than it was in Virginia. I distinctly remember sitting on one of the benches in North Andover High School my my first few days moving into it and Pete Con Cannon came up to me and said why don't you come up and join me in my room for lunch and I was initially a little hesitant I didn't want to be imposing I didn't want to be one of the kids that relied on staff to be their friend but I took the chance and it ended up being a really good decision for me because it gave me an outlet to let people know what I'm good at, let people know what I'm interested in, and things moved on from there pretty well. Pete is a a great friend of us at the Youth Center. I I had the pleasure of working with him for over two decades, and he's since retired, but he was the adjustment counselor at the high school at the time um, and was involved with the FOCUS program and was always doing a great job of welcoming kids um, and trying to find them to find their niche. And if I'm correct, it was Pete Kincannon that first hooked you up with the football team. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I explained to him that I was interested in statistics and also that I was interested in football. And he reached out to the football coach at that time. It was John Rafferty. I think it was one of his last years at the high school. And I met with him. I showed him a little bit about what I do for the NFL, he was a little taken aback, overwhelmed, I think, but he was agreeing, agreeable to having me on. I ended up going to the, the press box, most games home and away for the football team, and I ended up developing a little bit of a relationship with some of the players. Uh, guys like James Foote uh, really stand out from that time. So I, I think I became known a little bit more around the high school for that and it allowed me to talk a little bit more with my peers about what I was interested in and I I think it kind of set the set the board for the next few years of high school I ended up then transitioning to to the basketball team and then the baseball team later in the high school years yeah you did uh, all three sports and and speaking to all the people affiliated with those three sports uh, I was actually involved with you uh, working with the basketball team and coach Paul Tanglis but uh, even before that, you then, um, one of my employees, Molly Malandrino at the time, was um, working with Pete in the Focus program, and she connected with you. And I know she would come back to the youth center and say, you would love this guy, Will Hominate, Rick. You know, he, he loves sports, he loves stats, that type of thing. And tell me about the, your relationship with Molly um, and how that connected you with the youth center. Molly came into Pete's focus room every week or so during lunch, and I remember talking with her during lunch a few times. She was very nice, of course. She introduced your name. I had never really heard of you until that point, and she said that it would be a great fit for me to go to the youth center just because of your interest in sports based on my 
interest in all, all sorts of sports. So she ended up driving me from my home at Royal Crest one day to the youth center. She introduced me to you, and the rest is history, really. I, I like to think I found a, a decent home here. Absolutely, and, and we, we loved having you from the beginning and, and to this day. And one of the first things we got you involved with was using your statistical analytic experience. And you uh, started to work at our famous North Andover Fall Ball League, which uh, you'll talk a little bit about. And you also did some summer stats for our summer basketball league uh, the first summer also. And I know that the kids loved, uh, they loved seeing stats. They loved to see how many points per game and things like that. And you were pretty amazing. You actually became a little bit of a cult favorite. Uh, you know, nicknames like the Stat Guy, Will the Thrill, uh, different things like that rotated. So um, you're continuing to still work with us with the North Andover Fall Ball. We kick off another season Monday. What's that been like for you to work the North Andover Fall Ball? Yeah, so I think the, the summer league was kind of a trial period for me. You wanted to see what I was all about, and trust me with your baby, the Fall Ball League. So the Fall Ball League's been great. It's a legitimate brand of basketball. It allows me to try a lot of different things with what I'm passionate about in statistics. It allows me to learn a lot about the players in the area. And it, it really is a good opportunity for me to see basketball out of the house and be passionate about statistics in, in a real way rather than just kind of a theoretical way in my room. So I built a, a spreadsheet system that I'm pretty proud of to, to analyze this fall league. And I continue to make changes to it every year to kind of tweak based on new statistics I find online that I'm passionate about. And I, I like to think that I'm still growing in a lot of ways doing this fall league. Yeah, and you're pretty beloved in our fall league. Uh, first of all, the the officials love you. Uh, our head coaches, the volunteer he uh, head coaches during the fall, um, and the kids, they, they basically know you as this is the guy that keeps all the stats. He's got the keeper of the information that coaches use uh, and obviously players appreciate. Uh, and it's kind of grown and grown every, every year. And the stuff that you send me every week, uh, quite frankly, some of it I don't even understand. Uh, and I have to call you up to explain certain, certain analytical things. Um, obviously, some of the stuff is really easy to understand. There's other stuff that's really uh, on some of the efficient, efficiency ratings and things like that are, have been really great. And it's definitely in your ballpark. And yeah, you become a fixture at, at fall ball. And um, we're glad you're going to be back for another year. So in terms of p passion for statistics and and in fantasy sports, where did it all start? How did it? How did you even get an interest in that? And talk a little bit about, because you are a humble guy, talk a little bit about the stuff you, you did with the NFL and actually with our own Eagle Tribune. So I've been a, a sports fan ever since I can remember. I think the first team that got me passionate about sports was the 2007 Patriots, the team that almost went undefeated. And I remember ever since that offseason, I was interested in playing fantasy sports. I drafted my first fantasy team with Tom Brady being my first pick. And of course he tore his ACL in the first game that season. So that was a bit frustrating, but I've been playing fantasy ever since. I've always tried to gain an edge on my competition by analyzing numbers, doing lots of research, being prepared to make decisions. And it's transitioned to other sports too. So one thing that 
really changed the course of my statistical passion was taking AP statistics in high school as a 12th grader under Caitlin Flanagan. She was a, a great teacher. She prepared the whole class very well for the AP exam. And that really solidified my passion of statistics. So I knew going into the class that it was something I was interested in. But taking it only confirmed that fact for me. I really loved the work. I di it didn't feel like work. It felt like enjoyable, really exercising my brain in a way that was familiar to me from playing fantasy sports. I ended up getting a, a perfect score on the AP exam. And that really crystallized that I wanted to pursue it after high school. What about the work with the New Orleans Saints and, and the Tribune? So I reached out to footballguys.com, a fantasy football website, when they requested help for one of their game recaps. They had a few teams available, one of them being the Saints. And the task of the job was basically to watch every single offensive play of the given team and analyze it from a fantasy football standpoint. So if you were someone who couldn't have watched the game on Sunday, you could read the game recap and catch up on what you needed to know in order to be knowledgeable about setting your fantasy lineup the next week or making moves on the waiver wire the next week. So I learned a lot about the Saints, and I analyzed every play that they did during the 2015 and 2016 seasons, I believe. And I think I helped a bunch of people make more knowledgeable decisions about their fantasy teams. Absolutely. And then there's one Sunday uh, morning. You didn't give me the heads up on this. I'm reading the sports page from the Eagle Tribune and um, cycling through. Then I see this picture of Will Harmony, and he's doing the predictions for fantasy for this Sunday. How did that all come about with the Tribune? Yeah, I, that picture always makes me smile because I remember taking it in my dark room at my house just hoping there was enough light to make it legible and I think they still used it every column I I did but I remember being interviewed by Mike Muldoon due to my work with the football team and he reached out to me because of my interest in fantasy football that I mentioned during that interview saying hey I think our readers would benefit from a fantasy football column every Sunday was that something you would be interested in and I think that was kind of a natural progression from my work with the Saints for football guys. So I, I, I agreed, and I kind of made the format based on what I found useful from reading fantasy football columns on my own, researching my own decisions. Evan Silva's matchups column is something that really inspired me. And I, I like to think I made it my own and grew a lot through the process. I, I think I became better as a writer, and I think the community gave me some good feedback that it was helpful to them. Absolutely, and I have a lot of friends that play fantasy football, and uh, I turned them on to you, and they, they found it really uh, profound and uh, very productive for them. So that worked out well. So sports is obviously the big thing, but you were also contacted by our town moderator, Mark DeSalvo, uh, to do some analytic statistical stuff for town meeting. How did that all come about, and how was that? I think Mark DeSalvo reached out to Caitlin Flanagan. He knew of her through the high school, and he asked about a student that may be interested in helping out with town meetings. So she came to me first. That was I took that as a real compliment that I was the first person that came to mind for her. 
and then I, I thought about it for a while and said, it's a, gr- it's a great natural progression, again, from I've had success doing it with all these sports teams. Why not take it to the, the next level with this town meeting project? I ended up watching a lot of footage of town meetings from recent years during my senior year of high school when I did this project, analyzing how long speakers took during their town meeting speeches in order to kind of help modernize the town meeting process in order to develop more realistic time limits for certain speakers because certain speakers tended to go longer than necessary and certain speakers needed more time like say the town moderator or the the town manager needed more time to do certain things so the the time limits needed to be more module and that's something I definitely found in the data. It was intuitive, but it was also backed up and supported by the data of going back through these town meetings and putting them all down in spreadsheets. So DeSalvo and I wrote a column that was ended up, ended up being published with some of our findings. And I think he took some of those changes, some of, those, the, some of that feedback I found going through these town meetings and then attending the one into 2017 to edit kind of the process of what goes into planning a town meeting. Yeah, I was pretty proud of you. I didn't know you were doing this, and I had to show up for my annual duty of as being a department head to come to town meeting, and we we're, we're have to sit in the first couple of rows. And I turned to my right, and over there is Will with all of his analytics stuff and a, and a grin on his face, and I said, this guy's taking it to a whole different level. So I know Mark DeSavile has actually talked to me about you and what he thought about that process. So it was nice to see you take that analytics interest and actually do it even outside of sports, obviously with um, our politics and our our town meeting. So that was great. Um, We worked very closely together when it came time for you to choose um, college. Um, It was an anxious time for you, if I'm correct. Um, We had many, many conversations. You had a number of different choices being a bright student. Um, Take me through that process, maybe some of the stresses, because remember a lot of our high school seniors are starting that process right now. Uh, What was that like for you, and how did you end up at Endicott? I think it was most difficult because it was the first real decision that I've had to make in my life that may be common for some kids. All the school decisions I made going up to that point were made for me by my parents. Where we moved and such, I really didn't have much say over. So having this decision was nice to have some independence, but also kind of threatening because I didn't have a lot of experience in making such a big decision for myself. So I wanted to get as much information as possible. I wanted to ask around, use the community that I had kind of cultivated for myself through my interest, as we've talked about, and get a lot of feedback before I jumped into this decision myself. I knew that commuting was something I was interested in, so I really only applied to schools in this general area Schools like Boston University, UConn, UMass, that, that being one of the furthest, uh, Babson, Bryant, a lot of different schools, Endicott, of course. And I, I built a lot of pros and cons list. I know I shared one of them with you. Endicott ended up being the choice because I visited and it, it felt the most comfortable. It had the major I was interested in, statistics, being closely tied with actuarial science. And I, I really envisioned myself having success on that commute. I met with one of my key professors, 
Philip Lombardo, who I still work with today. That one-on-one meeting gave me a lot of confidence that Endicott was a legitimate school that I could really not only succeed in, but also challenge myself as a student. So it, it wasn't an easy decision. BU, obviously, if you look at college rankings online, is in a different tier than Endicott. I didn't want to feel like I was settling for something less than my best, and I don't think I have. I've challenged myself a lot in the classes I've taken at Endicott. I've learned a lot, and looking back on it, it, see, it feels like the right decision for me. And it was quite a process. I appreciated that you included me. Uh, we sat down a number of times, um, and I was very impressed with your pro-con list that you would, um, uh, you know, and it actually changed a lot, the pro-con list, and uh, ultimately you made the decision. I think you were comfortable uh, being more of a commuter than living at school, and this was a, a good, great choice for you. And as you're hen- ending in your third year now, it sounds like Endicott has been really a good choice for you. So let me talk to you a little bit about one of the things I love about Endicott is um, they do a lot with uh, emphasizing internship programs, and you've been actually working in a couple of different sites over the last summer. Talk a little bit about what your summer employment's been the last two summers. My internship after my freshman year was at Raytheon, a connection you had with Mr. John McElroy, you connected me with that. I worked in the advanced technology department, and that was kind of eye-opening for me. A huge difference, obviously, from working in academia, where it's all about working on yourself and challenging yourself to learn more. Now we're jumping into a company that's building weapons for the military and has so many concerns and items to think about that are far beyond the scope of what a normal college student thinks about. So it was a challenge for me going into that, Not since it was really also my first work experience. I learned a lot about what it means to work for a company like that, that has over 50,000 employees, I think. I had a mentor there, Brian Klobuchar, who was a engineer. He kind of took me under his wing. That was helpful. Uh, It's not necessarily something I see myself doing in the future, but I don't think it has to be for an internship. It just has to be about learning about yourself, learning about what's important to you. And that's part of what's great about Endicott's internship program. It's only for a couple of months. It allows you to get a leg up on your competition because you you know more about yourself and your interests for your career before you have to graduate and make real more impactful decisions for your life. Then this summer, I was proud to get a job at, or get an internship at Electric Insurance on my own merit. I applied through my school. The HR representative came to my school during their career day. I ended up sending my resume to her, and a few weeks later, I got called in for an interview. I think I was impressive during that interview, and then a few days later, they ended up hiring me, so I was really excited about that. It wasn't quite as Im- impressive as I thought it would be. The pricing department at Electric Insurance was different than I had thought it would be because it's a different company than most insurance companies. It's a lot smaller, and the role for a pricing intern, the role for a pricing analyst really, is a lot less 
challenging, I would say, than it would be at a company like Liberty Mutual or Northwestern Mutual or things like that. So I was doing a lot of UAT testing, user acceptance testing, because they were moving to a different way to house their insurance policies. I learned a bit about insurance and what goes into rating premiums and what goes into building a policy like that. So I think that's valuable knowledge as I continue to go towards an actuarial science career, but it wasn't the best opportunity for, for me long term. So again, it was, a, it was great to do that for a few months as an intern and learn what I need to have in my day-to-day -day role to feel satisfied and passionate about going to work. You're building quite a resume, Will. Um, lots of different areas you're looking at to build, and um, you know you you are you've got that resume right now that's going to impress um, a lot of companies in a lot of different areas uh, once you graduate from Endicott. Let me switch gears a little bit. Um, I've been able to watch and observe um, a pretty special relationship between you and your dad. Um, got to know your father. He actually is on the Joseph N. Herman Youth Center Inc. board. Uh, but he used to come around fall ball and, you know, kind of be a fan of fall ball. And obviously, I, I observe both of you guys together. What's, what's your relationship with your father? And how, how important has he been in your development and your interests? I'm an only child. So I think that immediately strengthened a bond between me and him. But I would really say he's been my best friend ever since I've been a kid. We go to sports games together almost every season with the Patriots. We've been to a game every year since 2011. We go to a Celtics game every year. We, we, we try to, and then a Red Sox game usually every year. So he's passionate about sports too. We watch a lot of sporting events together, whether it's going to the stadium or watching at home. He is very supportive with me and my education. And we just enjoy each other's company, I think. We like being around each other, whatever we're doing, whether it's playing board games, going for a walk, watching sports. He's someone I can really trust, depend on with everything in my life. I, I can count on him sharing the same interests in, as me, but also providing support when I'm not having a great day, where, when I'm feeling less sure of myself and what I'm doing. I, I know I can take a deep breath, go to my car, pull over maybe, give him a call and he can give me a pep talk and say you've been through this before you have to just take one put one foot in front of the other and I'll be home for you and we can discuss it all break it all down when we get home and he really can talk me off the cliff uh, if I'm making a, a bad decision for myself at night and I think as I'm growing older I'm doing a little bit of the same for him uh, I'm becoming a little bit more of an equal in the relationship we're less parent child and more peer to peer in terms of our relationship and me providing some of the same things that he has always given me in terms of advice and and pointers about tough times in his life yeah it's um you know from my point of view well you know i've gotten to know both of you really well to me it's a very special relationship um something i uh, i smile every every time i see you guys together and I also get a kick out a kick out of the fact, and it'll start tomorrow, uh, the big day of the NFL season start. You and your father make a big day of it. Uh, food's on the menu. I think wings is usually the choice, and uh, you'll get this uh, season started. 
Um, let me switch a little bit of gears to a couple other things. Um, we want to kind of give you a little bit of a lightning round, Will. Um, I'd like you to uh, answer these questions as fast as you can. Um, and it's based a little bit more on your analytics. So analytically, um, me and you might be the only two Yankees fans um, in this area here. Um, from an analytics standpoint, and you do a great job with power rankings every week. I get a kick out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, are our Yankees analytically have a chance to, to win the World Series this year? I think anything can happen in baseball, but I do not think they're in the same tier as the Dodgers and the Astros. The Pythagorean rankings that you referenced, I put out every Sunday on Twitter. It really breaks down runs scored versus runs against and the Yankees starting pitching has allowed a lot more runs than the Astros and the Dodgers so their record is actually the exact same as the Astros and the Dodgers but they are in a different tier than the Astros and the Dodgers in terms of Pythagorean ranking okay uh, number two uh, your beloved Patriots uh, who's the biggest challenges from an analytics standpoint um, of dethroning the Patriots and not l allowing them to win the Super Bowl this year so I think football is one of the least analytical sports there is a lot of this has to do with a one game sample size in NFL games the season is a lot shorter there's only 16 games so when I think about the biggest threat for the Patriots, it's more of from an organizational strength standpoint. The teams that have beaten the Patriots in the past haven't been the most talented. The New York Giants in 20, 2007 and 2011 come to mind, but they were very solid organizations. And a team that comes to mind in the modern era is the Philadelphia Eagles. They weren't the strongest team when they beat the Patriots a couple of years ago with Nick Foles as their, their quarterback. And I think their organization is really built well from the bottom up. They have a great head coach. Uh, Carson Wentz, I think, is going to have a good bounce-back season. So I think a popular answer might be the Chiefs, but I think the Eagles is, are really the biggest threat organizationally to the Patriots. Okay, you can tell I'm talking to an analytics guy because this was supposed to be the lightning round with quick answers, and he's breaking it all down for us. So give me – got three more for you. Let's go quick on this. Analytically, how many games will the Celtics win this year? 55. 55. You know I'm a diehard Raiders fan, and you were actually right when I asked this question last year. Um, with the A-B scenario and everything else, how many games will the Raiders win this year? I'd say three or four. I don't like John Gruden. I think he's been out of football way too long, and they've handed the keys over to someone who hasn't been in football for over a decade. All right. Uh, last one. Um, analytically, um, you know, I'm a big basketball guy and I got to get ready for my fantasy draft in the next month. Who's the first guy I should take from an analytics standpoint? I say Giannis and Dentacumbo. He's still one or two levels away from realizing his full potential. The entire offense is built around him. So he's going to get a lot of usage in Budenholzer's offense. He has room to grow, and I think he, he's going to wreak havoc on the weak Eastern Conference for many years to come. Okay. We've got to slowly start to wrap this up, but i got a, I got a couple last things I want to ask you. Um, I say this every podcast. Uh, I don't believe in Kumbaya land. I believe that we always need to make things better a little bit. Um, from either the youth center standpoint, the community in general, north end of a high school, um, uh, how, what do you think we need to do a little bit of better job with? 
I'm not sure. I, I think being more open to individuals who have different learning styles, I think there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of emphasis on wanting to put it into to force, but I think actually going through and making it a reality can be tough in high school because with so many kids, there are more kids in, in public school than ever, obviously. It can be tough to dedicate a innovative and effective learning style for for kids like that. I think it goes beyond just the classroom. It, it, it goes into the youth center to giving them a comfortable place to unwind and, and make friends here. So programs have allowed a lot of kids in the kind of the inner set of high school experience to succeed, but getting to know and getting kids who are not as comfortable with the normal high school experience to open up and to find what they're passionate about is something that's difficult and something that still can be improved in, in every walk of life. Well said. Uh, we're going to give you the final word. Um, I'm going to do a little different with the final word. Um, you and I are both big sports people. Um, we're both familiar with a Players' Tribune where a pro athlete or a coach um, basically writes a letter to their 12-year-old self, 14-year-old self. Uh, now that you're a high, uh, college junior, I'm sorry, college junior, um, what would you say to a 12 to 14-year-old Will Harmony now that you've actually grown into a, a young man yourself, especially around the adjustments of coming to North Andover? I would want myself to take as many chances during the formative years of high school and middle school as possible because if things go wrong, they're not going to last your life. They're just a fleeting moment, and you won't remember them. But if things go right, as they have for some of the chances I've took, they can go really right, and they can really change your life in a positive way. They can allow you to cultivate a, a community of people that know you, respect you, have a lot of common interests with you it can allow you to shine as an individual so taking chances to branch out socially even when they don't feel right or comfortable or you don't have experience doing things like them in the moment is something that's worthwhile in in high school because you can look back on that time and think it went really fast I you don't want to waste any opportunities that come by because as a 20-year-old now, it, it seems like my college, my high school years went by so fast, and I like to think I took advantage of all the opportunities that came my way by reaching out and advocating for myself. And you did a phenomenal job with it. I'm, I'm glad we were one of the places that you kind of found a home to. Um, you know I personally love you and, and everything that you've done for us here. Um, it has been great to see you. Um, be assertive in finding your place uh, both at the high school and uh, here at the youth center and now obviously at Endicott College. Um, I honestly believe that uh, Will will someday work for a pro franchise. Um, my crystal ball doesn't tell me exactly what sport it's going to be but this is a guy that um, is very very bright in the world of analytics uh, in the way that sports are going these days um, where sports franchises are actually hiring 
people like Will um, to help in a lot with the analytics area. I could see Will maybe working for the Boston Celtics someday or, the, or his beloved New England Patriots. So, Will, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inspiring um, lots of kids who maybe um, have fallen in the same situation you of moving to our community and how to how to get connected with people and it was really nice to hear that you thought that the move to North Andover was better than the new move to Virginia, that we were maybe more welcoming. And obviously, I, I will always take from your, your conversation today was the immediate reach out from Pete Concanon to you and how that kind of maybe paved your way to lots of different things at the high school um, and at the youth center. So hopefully Pete will also listen to this um, podcast. So thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This wraps up our latest podcast. We're very excited about some upcoming podcasts. And next week, um, I am going to have um, a teacher and advisor at the high school, Connor Meehan, who I don't really know personally, but we've become very close Twitter friends. And uh, we're going to be working on some culture stuff along with Andy Van Horn and others. Um, and he's going to come in as the advisor for the student council. And he's going to bring in the amazing Caitlin Wessel, one of our employees of the summer this year, who's also on student council. And they're going to talk about what student council is and all the great things they're doing. Uh, we're also excited to do a topic on autism. And we're going to have uh, Lauren Sanford, our staff member here, who uh, for a number of years was working one-on-one -on -one with an autistic student. We're also going to have my former employee, Lauren Perry, who's going to come in and talk about from the parents' perspective. She's the, the mom of Cam, who has been um, a great addition to our summer fun, fun programs, and we're going to hear her from a parent's perspective. And then I'm going to also have another former staff member coming in to sit on that panel, and that is none other than Nick Savarese, who worked here as a high school and college kid, and he's now the executive director of the Doug Flutie Foundation on Autism. Uh, and we're actually going to talk about autism. We're going to talk about some of the challenges. We're going to talk about some of the great things that happen, and obviously from my standpoint of making the youth center all-inclusive for all kids. Number of other topics coming up. Please feel free to send us any topics. We are starting. Stole this from my good friend Matt Medeiros's podcast. Um, uh, if you ever listen to a basketball podcast, it's five out. Um, but he has a thing called the mailbag. So we're gonna we're gonna ask anybody that would like to you know throw a question out, either email it to us at ourgormatnayouth.com or send us through social media if you have a question about anything that you would like answered on the podcast and we'll start that starting next week so uh, once again I want to thank Will for coming on the podcast um, it was a great time talking to you and uh, best of luck in the future and as we finish every podcast we always say too much passion is never enough passion <laughs>